1: Flushcare.com slash weight loss.
0: Hello and welcome to The Parenthood. We're always told as parents that one of the most important things we can do for our children is to read to them, to encourage them to read, and from then on, read, read, read. But why is reading so important? What skills does learning to decode letters on a page promote? And does the ability to read benefit children beyond simply being able to read? With me today is someone who is passionate not only about reading but unlocking the world of literature for our children. Heather Wright is a primary school teacher who frustrated that students at her school were not achieving reading skills that Ofsted expected, thought outside the box about how she could change it, initiating a Year of Reading project. It's success-inspired Reading Rocks, a Twitter account, blog and series of conferences about teaching reading for pleasure. Heather, thank you so much for joining me today. It's a real pleasure to have you here from your bookshop in Cornwall. Hi, it's a pleasure to be with you. So Heather, why is reading so important? I mean, obviously it's important to be able to read, but presumably the importance goes way beyond actually decoding the letters.
1: Yeah, I think really we probably have to think about it in, in two parts, really. The, the decoding is just the vehicle um, to get to the glorious platform, isn't it, really? And and sometimes we get a bit stuck on on that. Um, how to do it and getting the children over those barriers when actually being able to jump into somebody else's shoes and enjoy a story somewhere we possibly couldn't visit ourselves enables our children to develop their empathy skills and actually that really, really encourages their own um, well-being and, and capacity to discuss and ask questions um, and develop relationships.
0: I suppose, too, you know, children grow up in such a kind of restricted environment, broadly speaking. It sort of shows them, it gives them a sort of preview of how exciting the world is beyond, you know, when you're a child. I remember loving the Enid Blyton books. And I mean, I know that her writing is slightly ridiculed, but what I loved was the fact that these children you know mattered in the world they had independence they were they were you know catching smugglers i think they was they was caught smugglers and that for me was so exciting and it gave it made me realize that i could kind of matter you know in the world And I think what it was about the Enid Blyton, I mean, I'm sure it wasn't her mastery of the uh, English language and uh, literary skills, although, you know, she's a very popular writer. It was the fact that, you know, the children that she was writing about, the Famous Five, they were independent, they mattered, they were catching smugglers, and they sometimes knew better than the adults. And I loved having (laughs) a little toe in that world. It sort of unlocked the excitement of, you know, the world, which, you know, my world was not half as exciting as the Famous Five.
1: Indeed. And I think quite a lot of uh, the characters, um, quite often, they they kill the parents off, don't they? So that the children are free of the constraints of parents and they can have that independence and that kind of sense of adventure and it kind of... Yeah, it gives them I- ideals and possibilities, doesn't
0: it? And role but models it is safe. as well. Yes, You know, definitely. I loved George, who was the tomboy who had a dog, and I very much identified with her. And I think, you know, very often in our world, we're often a bit constrained in terms of who we can put our children in contact with. And I love the fact that by reading, children can identify with, you know, fictitious character and think that's the kind of person I identify with
1: absolutely but i think that brings up something that we've got to carefully consider the content that we're putting in front of them to make sure that we're re- we're reinforcing stereotypes that we want to and we're not reinforcing some tropes that that we don't want our children to kind of believe carry on you know you talk about a tomboy character we will particularly for me as as the mother of a daughter i want my daughter to read and see uh, girls and boys but you know see them doing whatever they want to do not making choices dependent uh, on on her gender and um, so I think it is incredibly important to make sure that what we're putting in front of them is is, is in line with our our ideals and our philosophies really Absolutely. what we want the future for our children to be
0: and I think, you know, there, there's so much, so much great literature out for kind of children now. And I just think some of those protagonists are just wonderful that, you know, you maybe we didn't, I didn't get when I was, I was growing up. And I love the fact that there are so many fierce, independent girls in the Absolutely. literature that we read. But I also, you know, I read quite a lot of stuff with my kids that's a lot older and, when they present a specific stereotype you can discuss it and go well do you think that's right do you think she should have behaved like that like it was interesting we read 101 dalmatians recently which we absolutely loved and my son thought it was going to be way too babyish for him but he loved that kind of melodrama we also love dogs in our family but then we read the one after which is called like the Starlight barking which is by the same author dodie smith and we all reflected that it was not half as good as 101 Dalmatians. Um, and it was a really positive experience reflecting on why that why we didn't like it as much and why the writing wasn't as good and why the story felt that it wasn't as as whole as 101 Dalmatians. So actually, the idea of reading books that necess- aren't necessarily as good as a family, I think, is a, is a really rewarding experience as well.
1: Yeah, fantastic. I mean, my daughter this morning, she's just finished book 1 in a series and she and I've I've got a, the second book. Um and she was all excited to go in and say she'd finished it, but she said someone in my class said this one's not very good. And I said, "Well, you know, that's that's absolutely fine. That's that child's opinion and your opinion's different and encouraging children to see themselves as readers." with opinions is a really important life skill as well isn't it to understand that one of the beauties of being human is that we're all different and what is you know we can talk about music or art on the wall can't we what what stands out to you might not stand out to me what talks to you might not talk to me and and those discussion points are, are really really valuable as well aren't they Absolutely. and I think that's where reading bleeds into the rest of a child's life and nurturing them um as a well-rounded human being
0: Mm. I think for me with my children I've seen it like reading unlock their curiosity just they've sort of discovered worlds you know in my son's case it's about growing things and and I could never have presented him with that because I'm I don't know enough he knows way more than me and being able to read has literally presented him this whole new world that he's absolutely passionate about
1: yeah fantastic i mean non-fiction is something that uh, we absolutely love in our house my daughter i think has that scientific curious uh, brain as well a real love of animals really so we have a lot of books uh, that reflect that and there's a tendency, isn't there, when you don't know about a topic to kind of jump online with them and, and, and find something out. And there is a place for that, of course, but it's great to have the the books that you can just pull off the shelf and say, well, well should we look up this creature in here? Or you may have watched um, something on the television, Blue Planet or something was a keen one for us, and um, being able to get the books out and go, well, that one's got that creature in, that one's got that creature in... Um, that that really develops that that seeking, doesn't it, and that kind of researcher skill in them. Yeah.
0: So I think talking here, we, we're lucky to have children that do love reading. I'll put my hand up now and say that my children did not always love reading. But how can we get our children to enjoy reading? Because I think, you know, that's, that's the message I got from their schools. Like we can do a certain amount of reading with them at school and we can introduce the idea of phonics and decoding letters. But we need your support in terms of just reading as much as possible. What, what, what can we do as parents to unlock this kind of love of reading?
1: Yeah, I think it's interesting when you say we're lucky to have children who are readers, and quite often people who say that to me, I look at them and say, it's not about luck. It is not about luck. It's about how you have brought books into your children's lives and normalised it, or magazines or whatever the the the, the literature content uh, may be. Um, I think. Maybe it's about separating what a school does and, and what we as a family do and, and seeing it as something that is enriching. So when we, it, you know, it's hard, the phonics stages, is, is, it's painful almost, isn't it? And those, those slow reading bits where we're kind of... K- k- at dog yeah
0: and i mean i wanted to kill them all by the end of it
1: (laughs) and it's just it, it it can be really really difficult and i think there's just a sense of saying do what you've got to do to support your school in that and kind of stick with it that's that's what you've got to do to access it but show them what that key unlocks, and I think focus on that that bit and the joy at home we've talked about linking it with our children's interests, and I think that's incredibly important It's about showing our children that they are readers, even from 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 birth, really you know read read to your children. I read to my daughter when she was in the bump. <laughs> um, <laughs> You know, we, we 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 had a particular story. My husband was was working away at the time, so we chose. I don't know whether you've seen Anthony Brown. My mum and my dad. Mm-hmm. I read my dad to the bump, and we had a recording of him reading. Uh, my mum. Um, so they're special books, but it's kind of knowing that making that part of your life, making it something that that's valuable and warm and cozy. Often when I speak to. To teachers about growing reading for pleasure cultures in school, talk about connections um, and about links. If every time a child uh, thinks about reading and thinks about that clunky hard work and the I can't do it, they're not going to see themselves as readers. They're gonna they're gonna feel the agony. Um, I liken it to running. I don't like running. <laughs> I find that really hard um, and I, find, I think if you think about the moment where you're just pushing your last bit of energy and thinking I can't do this anymore you think I I can't run I don't like it but if you think about that moment at the end or when you've reached that view then you think well actually I, I do appreciate it and I can do it it's making reading sacrosanct is the word I use with teachers it's kind of ring fencing it and making it something special so if the if the reading at home is is difficult is clunky and just filling in that um, that diary to say you've done the statutory five pages um, as an ex-teacher I say D- don't worry too much about that <laughs> the school shout at me take the time to say we're going to enjoy reading turn the devices off and and gather together there's something about it that's warm and rich and cozy and it opens those conversations there is plenty of research to show that actually reading to your children is just as powerful as them reading it for themselves um so to build on that and some some point along the line and it's different for all children they'll suddenly click and realize that that they are a reader, they want to enjoy books. And and I guess that moment of them saying, well, I'll read tonight, will come naturally and you'll develop that together.
0: Yeah, I think it it makes total sense. You know, ultimately what I've sort of noticed is that my children want more than anything my attention, undivided attention, and also for me to be in a good mood and happy. And we would always sort of build breeding into our routine. And I noticed the difference between, I was like, okay, let's quickly do it now. Come on, guys, sit down, sit down. And you sort of start that process off with being a bit stressed and not quite having enough time for them. Whereas if you can leave it to the end of the day and make a hot chocolate and turn the lights down and give them your full time and focus they're much more likely to think positively about that experience and that can start presumably as soon as they're born I remember always like that last thing at night just reading to them I remember reading Ludo the snail and the whale and just loving the story and I read it kind of almost as much for me as it as I did for him but that I guess set the precedent of our sort of routine and now still 11 years later we always read before bedtime every single day something they'll never let me get away with not doing
1: i think that's that's really important as well it's that that the you know you're doing it right when you get to the point where they say "Eh, hang on a minute we haven't done that um and it and it's part of of routine is incredibly important for for children isn't it it's interesting you're saying about what you get out of it um egmont um commissioned some research during the first lockdown to see about the difference of reading Allowed with your children, and actually, some of the uh, the anecdotal feedback was about the, the the parents saying, "Do you know what? I didn't realise what I was going to get out of it as well." Um, and the parents' uh, mental well being, that calmness, and that kind of sense of being a good parent. Um, absolutely,
0: and right then now. it just
1: goes in a big cycle, doesn't it? Because if we're feeling good as parents, the children pick up on that. And you've you've not got a vicious cycle. You've got this glorious cycle, haven't you, of just, you know, giving and sharing to each other.
0: You're right, because I think for me, the probably the most pressure I put on myself is to be a good mother. And it's the thing that if I if I mess up my work, I can get on, you know, I can get on with it. We all mess up work occasionally. But if I mess up being a parent, I feel so guilty. And I feel that at least if we have a nice read together and that is one thing. I am good at and my kids really enjoy if we end the day on that high like all the mess ups that I've done during the day sort of cease to matter if we can end on something that we've all enjoyed that is actually quite easy to do
1: absolutely and that sharing of emotion together there's nothing like a good giggle together is there it's something in the book or even like say when you you're doing the voices and you know your Scottish accent's not very good or you mess up or whatever that kind of shared memory together it's, it links. It's right. You know, it's it,
0: funny you say about the accents. I I love doing accents, but I'm not very good at them. And I remember reading The Highway Rat by Julia Donaldson. That was always a big favourite. And I every time I read it, because you know when they, you're at the stage where the children just want to read the same book again and again, I'd give The Highway yeah, Rat a different know it off by heart. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the Highway Rat was a yeah. <laughs> The Highway Rat was a beast.
0: <laughs> I remember, you know, one day you'd have a Spanish accent, the next day you'd have a French accent, and then he had a Scottish accent, and actually. we're reading at the moment Rooftoppers and there's it's there's part of it that's set in France so I started off doing French accents which were really not very good and last night I just like (laughs) launched into the normal accent and Iona my daughter was like no mummy do the accent make sure you do the accent I was like oh really (laughs) yeah
1: I think that there's less in your guard down there for them isn't there and I think that's so important Pirate's my best one, but it gives me a sore throat. You can only do pirate for so long.
0: <laughs> Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role.
1: They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com
0: slash weight loss. And in terms of, obviously, the school supports the reading, why is it so important that parents support it at home? I mean, I've sort of left the school basically in charge of my children's education I'm not a massive believer in in homework but it's different when it comes to reading that's something that's really important to be supported at home isn't it?
1: Yeah I think schools are very very busy places there's a a massive expectation on schools to fit a huge uh, content of curriculum in and the best of schools give plenty of time for reading but actually what... What makes the biggest difference is reading for pleasure. Um, and and that has to be a habit, doesn't it? It has to be something that the children have space and time to do. And that's what we can create for children at home, um, making sure that they've got that space to do that. And, and there's somewhere, wherever it is in the routine, um, whether it is bedtime reading, but it doesn't suit everybody that. Sometimes it's straight home from school for other families. But I think... The, the bit at home is where the children can, can build a habit, they can do it without distractions, um, and there's no compliance really at home in the sense of they can read what they want. Um, you know, my daughter's eight, but we still have picture books quite often. Um, she's still, you choose, um, I'm sure those books are going to fall apart, but... Um, but that that reading experience is just as valuable as her developing her stamina for reading uh, long novels now um i think that freedom and that that chance to link with um interests of their own or interests within the family is is what's valuable at home
0: yeah, I, th- I love that idea that it's a safe space, that no one's going to judge you for what you're reading. And actually, if secretly you do still love reading Stickman, then that is something that you can read. And that is, I think that's, that's one of the fundamental importances of home, that it is that sort of safe space to be who you are and not who your peers think you should be. Absolutely and in terms of their co- what they should be reading someone once said to me variety is really really important that you know because children have a habit of sort of getting into Harry Potter and then it's just about Harry Potter it's important that they're reading a, a variety of sort of fiction and non-fiction even comics and you know gardening catalogs if that's what they're into is is that's really important isn't it
1: yeah variety is important i mean a series is fantastic for growing a love of reading and that they can be fantastic for getting a child uh, to develop that habit uh, but writers write in different ways don't they even when we just look at fiction uh writers um will will share how a character is feeling their motivations um in in different ways and it's really good to get children to experience different genres different authors um, all those discussion points and that building of empathy that we talked about earlier that diversity is there and making sure that they experience different types of characters different types of problems um, across your fiction but then non-fiction is just so valuable and we're kind of life is so fast isn't it and we're so bombarded with facts or you know uh, uh, and in, in a in non-fiction book children can can learn to summarize they can learn to pick out key information and they can learn to decipher what's fake news what's not fake news i think they're all important life skills if a child favors one or the other then that's that's fine to have you know but but making sure i guess it's it's a balanced diet isn't it yeah
0: yeah but I guess, you know, also just encouraging them. I remember we started getting the Wheat Junior for the kids and they were never that interested. Yeah. And I ended up putting that on the loo so that when they were sitting there with nothing to do, they'd pick it up. And that's what got them into it and got them into them sort of current affairs. And then we'd chat about it and they'd go, oh, yes, I read about this. And it was actually just having that material at a time when they had nothing else to read. And that was great at getting that, them then sort of aware of, of current affairs
1: yeah and i think that persistence as well as of knowing you've looked at it and thought my child will like this and sometimes you know they just need a bit more of a nudge in the right direction or or that that opportune moment when you've seen that article on their favorite particular food animal car football player and it just gives you that opportunity and that inroad, and then they suddenly go oh yeah i actually quite like this um magazines are, are, are fantastic for that yeah particularly with children with a shorter attention span uh, That those kind of nuggets of information or shorter shorter stories or extracts um interestingly saying about current affairs and the news uh if if your child's got a particular interest like we've got a lot of books on birds my daughter loves bird spotting um you can use that but You can actually use things on the the telly or, or, you know, that they've seen that are interested if they're particularly, they'll listen to the news when it's on the children's news round or whatever. And you can say, "Whoa, well, there's a similar article in this and just kind of showing them that there are different ways to consume that information. And it gives you those opportunities.
0: Yeah. And it makes them feel kind of grown up, too, that, you know, the news is not something that's solely for adults. I remember during lockdown, I read an article uh, written by a guy that got stuck in India with his family. It was a whole family that were travelling around India. And it presented a whole different perspective of lockdown. But also, I was really aware that I wanted my children to understand that the lockdown we were living was not necessarily you know, what a lot of other people were living. And I just wanted them just to appreciate kind of not ramming it down their throat, how lucky we were, but just that there are lots of other implications for lots of other different people. And so I read this article yeah. to them that wasn't for children at all, but I think it was a really good way of engaging with them. They loved me reading it to them, but I would say they loved the fact that I respected them enough to read something that was quite a grown up theme to them and, and sort yeah. of trust that they had the, the maturity to process it in in the right way
1: yeah I think sharing your own experience as a reader with your children is is important because children can often say oh they're all asking me to read or you know all the grown-ups are telling me to read and I haven't seen any of them reading and that's a really powerful like implicit message isn't it well it's not important to them it's not important to adult life so why do I need to do it I think, kind of sharing with them well, I read this, and just kind of building that into your vocabulary, and even acknowledging different ways of reading, you know you might have read an article on your phone or through an email it 's still reading um I think it, we just need to think about how we 're phrasing it to them and kind of and 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 somewhere along the line that comes back to you where they say i 've just read this chapter, mummy, and it 's really hilarious. Can I read it back to you or that character was like the one we read together. Um, and that book blether, that kind of conversation together is is, um, is building of your relationship as well as, as them as
0: readers. And I suppose also that understanding that what you enjoyed reading as a child isn't necessarily what they're going to enjoy reading. I mean, I see my children. My daughter's a bit more like me, but my son, he he got given a physics dictionary, which he read from cover <laughs> to cover. And wow. he went my favourite chapter is Q. I'm like, it's not a chapter. <laughs> it's a section. But, you know, in the one hand, I was like, oh my God, this is a bit weird here. But he just loved it. He loved sitting and poring over it and going back. And, and I sort of learned to respect that even though I find that really boring, the idea of reading a dictionary yeah. from cover to cover, he's a different person to me. And what I like Absolutely. isn't necessarily what he
1: likes and what he likes isn't necessarily what I like. Indeed. I think when we think of, of reading... We, we go back to calling it literature and seeing it as an art form and the fact that we're all different and what each of us wants to consume is different and different um at different times in our life you know th- there's times when we want to go back to you choose and just read that and there's times when we want to read a really gritty novel that kind of you know takes us to a, a dark place but we get to resolve it um you know i think i think that's important to share with them as well i don't feel like reading that today mm. or even just we've read 3 chapters and neither of us is enjoying it should we leave it there should we park it should we come back um,
0: i think those, that's so those important characteristics
1: of a reader really important
0: i was brought up not to give up but actually i think life's too short to continue reading something that you just don't love it's not a sort of defeat it's just i think it's the boldness of being able to make a decision
1: Absolutely, it's about decision making, isn't it? It's not giving up, it's saying there are so many books out there, this one isn't for me. I'm going to find the one that is. What's your opinion? Or oh, this one isn't for me now. Yeah. Yeah.
0: What's your opinion on rereading things? I mean, obviously, when our children are little, they like rereading things again and again, and that's obviously really important because it's also new for them. But as they get a bit older, I like my son was saying, "Oh, I'm going to go back to reread whatever, whatever." And I was like, "No, Luda, there's so many other great books. Like, instead of wasting your time reading something you've read before, you know, discover something new." And then my sister was like, "No, there is such joy in rereading something because you take something new from it." Where Where do you stand? on that um
1: I would probably have the tendency in the moment to be like you and go yes but this has come out this is new this is exciting and we haven't read this yet or whatever um but on balance I would agree <laughs> we insisted that that there's something about going back to it I mean we we re-watch films don't we we re-listen to songs and and we find something different in it because Either we're a little bit older, a little bit more mature or we've been through something since the last time that enables us to see the character's motivation in a different, you know, all of those things.
0: Um, yeah, after I, I guess... had that argument with my sister, I reread Captain Corelli's Mandolin and I've got to say, I love the experience. Absolutely loved it. I also got through the beginning bit that's quite hard to get through to the middle bit, which is just so fantastic, knowing that I had that sort of carrot dangling at the end of it.
1: Sometimes when you read something for the first time, the the, the author has put little uh, crumbs in and you may not have noticed them in the same way the first time. But now you know the ending. When you go back, you might, you know, oh, that's what that meant. Oh, look, there's another clue. Um, I think there's a place for it. But, yeah, I still get so excited about new stuff. <laughs> oh. There's nothing like kind of the 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 creak of a new spine and kind of the s- smell or often if I take books to schools um, and teachers get excited when you put a big pan of new books in front of them and um the they, they fall into two categories: there's either book sniffers or book huggers. they're always one <laughs> kind of ooh, a new book. I love that feeling
0: (laughs) but I also I think one of my favorite presents is when I'm given a book that someone has read and said this is amazing and you get their sort of well-thumbed copy I just think the gift of a book is you're not giving them paper you're giving them an experience that is gonna you know last hours hopefully and I think that is one of the best presents being ever given a book and going you will love this and you know you trust that person I think is just one of the most amazing things
1: there's something in that insight though isn't there because you instead of picking that book off the shelf with fresh eyes you are reading it with just that glimmer of insight from that person you'll love this because and and you're almost seeking that out when when you're reading i think um the power of recommendation is really really important for children um when children can recommend to each other or you know people in their life that they love and they trust recommend um that can be a massive encouragement
0: uh for children um and trying new stuff sorry i interrupted you
1: no no it's fine uh, trying new stuff definitely and sometimes i know with my daughter i've said this this has come out you're gonna love this it's brilliant and she's gone nah not yet and feels a bit frustrating um But really we want them to have their own opinions and and, and they might come back to it. Now I was going to say um, one of the the biggest things that I've seen to get children hotted up and really wanting to have a copy of that book themselves is hearing the author or the illustrator talk about their own book. Um, It's difficult at the moment to get to literary festivals um, but you know, quite often bookshops... When when the world gets back to normal, um, we'll have free events where you can go and meet the author um, or see the illustrator do a bit of drawing. There's quite a lot online uh, at the moment that you know children can see, and there's something magical about seeing a child just watch that author say, "And I wrote this book and and I, and they created this character because," and it's almost like they've got some little secret background insight knowledge into it. And it really fires them up and can encourage them to, you know, take that book off the shelf or, you know, open the cover for the first time. Mm.
0: And in terms of finding new books to read, because I think that is a challenge now, obviously lucky summer having a mother that owns a bookshop you've always got the next thing going I've heard about this book but um where how can you as a parent find new books to read I find sometimes you know it's a bit hit and miss with school libraries sometimes you've got great librarians who are really proactive and getting to know your child and going this is what you'll love but sometimes it's a little bit more difficult you know currently libraries are closed although I do think they're opening up quite soon I mean I've i found that our local library is a great way to, to find new books and because you're not having to buy the books you can be a a bit more bold in your choices. You can I think if you're going into a bookshop and you're spending seven pounds on a book, you think, well I, I want to actually know that I will enjoy this. And sometimes children who are a little bit more nervous about that, you know, might be less emboldened to try sort of new things or things that look unusual, sound unusual. But where do you how do you go about finding new books?
1: I think libraries and we have to protect our libraries and make sure, you know, that we, we use them so that they you know maintain their funding um again sometimes it can be hit and miss but you know I, I think the key to that is it's a librarian it's somebody that knows those books and is keen to share and you can get that in in the bookshop as well we're very very fortunate that the publishers could communicate with us tell us what's coming out and um, you know keep us bang up to date um with what's coming next so we're able to read them and recommend to children but from home um the book trust website has um a page called book finder so you can put the ages in put the the different genre likes uh, and that will recommend um books for your children so that's that's a great one love reading for kids with the number four um they put lots of um, new books and they get children to um, review them as well. So that gives a different insight. And I think as parents, groups, we need to support each other um, and say, well, I'm going to buy that one, you buy that one, and then our children can swap around. Because, um, you know, it, it can, can, can cost a lot of money, can't it? You know, and particularly if you've got like a... A voracious bookworm, and you've spent this money on it, and they've read it in a day, and you think, "Wow!" After digging my pockets again, <laughs> that's where the library comes into play, doesn't it? Or, or or charity shops. Sometimes you can find an absolutely cracking read in a, in a charity shop. Um,
0: yeah, no, and, yeah. and also you'll often get kind of books that aren't quite as sort of trendy. I mean, I sort of, so often you go into a bookshop and there's just tons of David Williams and everyone knows about David Williams. And actually I've often picked up stuff in Oxfam or other charity shops that are a, a bit older. What oh, Ludo read the other day, My Family and Other Animals. And I know that's not, certainly not out of print, but it was a great book for him to read that was different to the sort of Philip Pullman that he'd been obsessed with with reading before. And it was, you know, $1.99 and it was a great way to support a charity. Yeah, absolutely. But I think you know book swaps too. There's a, there's an old telephone um, box in our village, which obviously is no longer used. And I was like, can't we turn this into a village book swap because we've got so many people in the village, and most of our books, you know, bookshelves are just filled with books that are read once and not again. It'd be a great way just to um, promote reading across, you know, a small community. But I think there's a there's a place um, on a London street. There's a there's I can see I know there's a, like a, there's a house and they've built like a little box which is like a local book swap and it's a great way to do it. it doesn't cost anyone anything and it's a lovely I mean it's obviously a bit more difficult now with coronavirus but but a debt all get over that
1: yeah, kind of qu- quarantine station exactly no, I've seen seen those I've seen some schools with those like a little swapping library on as well yeah and, and but I love those um telephone boxes that have been turned into that I think there's something in that about kind of the sharing of the book love there isn't the kind of saying I, I can't keep it all to myself, and it's 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 nice to encourage our children in that sense, isn't it? And you can put a little post-it note on it. This would be good for a such a body child or a child that really likes this. Um, yeah, it's about finding ways to to make it accessible, isn't it? Yeah,
0: and it's almost I think it's like finding treasure. Finding a good book is like finding treasure, and if you can find that in a disused phone box, well, great. Yes, one of the things that as we approach Christmas but I feel that has shaped kind of my experience as a mother is that sort of ritual of reading together and obviously we talked about that a bit at the beginning but that I, I think when my children were little I hadn't appreciated quite how important that was and, and I love the idea you know we're, we're recording uh, before Christmas and it's something that I've done with my children over the last few years is that our reading content has been influenced by Christmas because children love Christmas I'm, I'm sure some is the same but uh, yes They start hearing Christmas carols on the radio and they see the Christmas trees go up and they're like, (laughs) we love Christmas. And there's nothing like building that anticipation as as reading something Christmassy in the sort of build up to Christmas. Is that something you enjoy doing as well? Yes.
1: I mean, the past couple of years, we've read Alex T. Smith's uh, Winston Delivered Christmas, which is a kind of Advent chapter book. So there's a chapter each day. Um, and it builds to the end of the story, and then there's half a chapter for, for Christmas Day, um, but there's little activities in that one, so that, that's been a nice one um, to share. But th- there's so many gorgeous Christmas books, and I feel like this year in particular, people have allowed themselves to get a little bit more Christmassy, a little bit earlier. There's a lots more lights up and trees up um, around here, so if there was ever a year to pick a Christmas book and enjoy it and kind of share that time together and I I kind of I guess as we've got to adapt and reflect on what a different Christmas look looks like um and think well do you know what what are the important bits of it it's about being together isn't it And, and sharing it together you know the joy of a Christmas book can bring that yeah
0: and even you know when your children are littler and they can't, they don't have the attention span of, a, of one whole book. Someone was telling me last year that a nice idea is to, you know, go through your books and sort of pick out, you know, those storybooks, the ones that have a sort of bit of a Christmassy sort of angle, wrap them all up and make that your advent calendar so you name them with a, you know, so instead of opening a calendar and you get a chocolate, you open up the number one and it's Stickman and then it's the next one is, so again, you can kind of build that sort of Christmassy thing and all you're doing is rewrapping old books or maybe you're swapping books with friends of yours but each each day it's a new story
1: yeah we we i think i did a christmas book advent when summer was three um and i did buy them at that point but we've got those now in a christmas box that's kind of part of getting you know the the tree out that we we've got those but recycling books that you've got and you've loved um is a a brilliant way of doing it and that kind of excitement of opening what store is it going to be um I put little book plates in the first time so I put the date on and the number and some of them were like these that one's from nanny and pops that one's from uncle tim you know um so there's there's something to to treasure in that yeah
0: Yeah I think my favourite Christmas book is I love all the Matt Haig ones actually I think he's written three uh, starting with A Boy Called Christmas and it's a sort of meaty enough story for children I'd say as from about six to get into but it was perfect we read just like not even a whole chapter every day but it led us up that sort of advent to Christmas and then somehow I don't know how I did it but I did time it perfectly that we finished the last chapter (laughs) on Christmas Christmas. Eve and it's all about (laughs) Father Christmas delivering presents and it was just it it was one of the things that I remember most about that Christmas and one of the happiest things that my children remember too much more than the presents they actually got
1: (laughs) I think it's nice on Christmas Eve as well it's kind of it's all it's busy they're absolutely buzzing with adrenaline and excitement and just that story and that sense of of calm and coming together is actually it's it's really powerful on christmas eve isn't it to just settle them down and make sure they get to sleep and don't get up too early
0: <laughs> in terms of tips for reading aloud to children do you have any tips for people that might be listening
1: uh read aloud like no one's watching i think kind of <laughs> let your let your inhibitions go um and yeah do all the voices pause over the pictures laugh when you're supposed to laugh um but but follow the lead of your child as well um there's no set way to read a book uh, you know and if your child's tired and you haven't finished the end that's okay you can stop um if if they're particularly interested in that that picture that illustration just stop have a chat about it enjoy it, it you know follow follow what they show you how to do. I think they know what they enjoy. Um, and yeah, in the same sense of you're going to have to read Stickman again.
0: <laughs> and I suppose if, what you're saying is also give it time. Like don't say, yes got 10 minutes because then I really do have to go. Like anticipate that it's going to take twice as long as you think it's going to take because there's nothing quicker to ruin a, an experience than than a time deadline so you know just start earlier if that needs to happen but don't try not to hurry it I don't you can ever hurry reading can yeah. you
1: I think that's really important yeah if if you're saying that you haven't got time for reading at bedtime then just just start the bedtime routine 10, ten minutes you know earlier that 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 short amount of time can have a really really massive impact and if you add it up all of those little chunks of time across you know our children's childhood and then looked at it as one colossal amount of time, think about the impact that that has. It's incredible.
0: I think it's also, when I look at my reading with my children, it's often about touch as well. It's really important that we're in a comfy place, and usually we all get into my daughter's bed and we all snuggle. And for them, even though they're getting older, it's their opportunity to be a bit babyish again and have that. I was recording a podcast a couple of weeks ago about the importance of touch and combining reading with touch and that sort of snuggliness it just felt that it made it such a sort of special time for all of us, actually.
1: Absolutely, that sounds so cosy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I do think it's it's an incredible point of developing your relationship with your children, and and that safe space. It, it's just it can even you know I've, I remember someone saying that their child twiddled twiddled their hair while they read to them. There's little things like that, isn't there? Or kind of just a, a stroke on the arm. Um, but that sense of family, I th- I think it's a, a really vital time mm. to you know to really invest in and, and and do together and I guess it's interesting, isn't it, at the moment when some children might not be seeing their grandparents or their wider family, um, you know when we can do that again, being able to read to those family members in a close way, like sat next to on the knee or, you know, I, I think we'll, we'll acknowledge how much we've missed that um, and how incredibly important it is for both sides. Mm.
0: And obviously one of the things you mentioned was sort of let them lead the way, let them tell you what they want to be read. But I think too, if you're a parent and you're reading to them, you need to have a little bit of an opinion too. And I will often sort of direct my children and go, you know, I really dislike that book I would much rather read this book and very often they're a bit reticent but I think you've all got to enjoy it you can't as a parent be like oh my god I'm reading whatever the terrible book is again and again and again if you're going to do this reading it is also an opportunity for compromise you know by all means don't read them stuff they are not interested in but I think this is a sort of group decision rather than just an individual decision yeah
1: it's a kind of gentle nudge to keep putting them on the path isn't it and putting things in front of them and saying how about or should we try this together I've not experienced that before um, well I'm and there's so guess... many
0: great authors for children nowadays aren't there yes. and there's such great writing some of the you know the Jess Butterworth we were talking about her Abby Elphinstone Catherine Rundle such a brilliant writers that i enjoy the writing just as much as they do and i think that's really important as a parent you know if you're enjoying it they will enjoy it too whereas if you're going oh my god this is so tedious that is going to be reflected in in how they enjoy it
1: absolutely definitely agree with that
0: so this is the perfect time for me to ask you if i were to change the premise of desert island discs to desert island books Which six books would you choose? And it'd be great to get a sort of...
1: (laughs) I'm sat here with piles of books thinking, I don't know if I can do six, (laughs) but I'm going to try. And if I go over, you're just going to have to hem me in. So I think the very first book that I'm going to choose has been a favourite picture book for a good while. And I have read this to thousands and thousands of teachers, and I absolutely love it. Um, so I know lots of people did a uh, draw with Rob over the lockdown. So Rob Bidolf, Um But this book, and I love a sausage dog as well. I desperately love a sausage dog. It's called Odd Dog Out. A standout story about not fitting in. So this sausage dog um, lives in a place where everybody is identical. But she stands out and is a bit different. So feels like she has to leave to go and find herself. Um And when she's there, she she meets somebody else who stands out and feels sorry for them, but then has this enlightenment and realises, do you know what? We should all acknowledge our own uniqueness and goes back to the place uh, where she's from. And they all have missed her and have missed her uniqueness. Um, And it says at the end so blaze a trail be who you are and i absolutely love the message of it i love rob's illustrations and i love uh, the rhyme and the way that he writes and the little quirks of funniness in there as well so i think if i had to with my arm up my back pick a favorite favorite picture book
0: that one would be it oh
1: good <laughs> what's next heather oh what's next i do have another favorite picture book but i'm not going to go on about it so then you might let me sneak more than six in <laughs> <laughs> um so you're probably familiar with the oi dog series by kez gray um billy's bucket i love billy's bucket and billy wants a book bu- um, look i'm going on about it i can't help it when you love a book you love a book <laughs> Billy wants a bucket for his birthday, so he goes to Bucket R Us and he knows exactly which bucket he wants. And it looks very plain and very ordinary, but when Billy looks into his bucket, it's full of this oceanic world. Um, And his mum and dad and his family take the mick out of him and kind of say, oh, what's in your bucket now, Billy? Um, And Billy says, don't use my bucket. Um, But dad uses the bucket to wash his car and um and dad learns his lesson because out pops a big whale and squashes the (laughs) (laughs) i think if your children love um learning about creatures uh, a story can often be an inroad to kind of look and there's barracudas and all different kind of fish and 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 things to share what am i on two Two. so that's two picture books (laughs) okay Um, so I'm going to go for or it's really really difficult I'm going to do a non-fiction as well and I'm going to do a series if that's okay because that allows me to cover a few (laughs) so um, the Atlas of series by uh, Wide-Eyed Publishers and the big books I kind of, uh, I like to call them belly books because they're so big that you have to lie on your belly on the floor and share them. And they're big enough for two people to read together. I
0: love the Um, idea. A book big enough for two people to read.
1: Absolutely. That's what you need to get on your Christmas list. Books, belly books that are big enough for two people to read and share that experience together. So this Atlas of um, series, so this latest one with a lovely gold it's an atlas of record-breaking adventures so it's got like the biggest waterfall the longest river those kinds of things um but there's an atlas of um oceans there's an atlas of dinosaurs there's an atlas of wonders of the world um and one of those in the series that we've got is absolutely battered because we go back to it time and time again my daughter my husband and i and she really really loves that um so if you've got a child who loves non-fiction and facts, that series is absolutely great. I'm looking at my pile and trying to be really, really discerning. <laughs> and I'm going to do another series because that helps me out. <laughs>
0: um,
1: so when children are moving on from picture books and we're trying to um, develop their stamina and just you know, enable them to read something a little bit longer, um, Little Tiger and Stripes uh, publication... Um, I brought out a, a series um uh, with full color illustrations, but they are kind of short chapter length. So you get the joy of a fully illustrated picture book, but you get a longer story. So the one I've picked out for you is a, a Sea of Stories by Sylvia Bishop and Paddy Donnelly. Um, but there's there's a number in there. There's Rocket Boy, um, Speedy Monkey. Um, a Rabbit's Tale. There's there's a miss the missing bookshop, and um, they're a really really nice series for when children want to develop uh, a little bit more confidence. And I'm just going to sneak an extra one in there because my daughter. Now I'm not really a glitzy girl myself, mm-hmm. and the thought of um, growing a girl that was all about pink wasn't really for me. um But. Um, lots of um, young readers like this one, again it's similar it's short chapters to move them on the Isadora Moon series by Harriet Moncaster um, is 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 just gorgeous, half vamp- vampire, half fairy um, but she's got a bit of feist about her as well so I don't mind that, um, so, so that's a really nice series um, can I do two middle grades? go on is then, that okay? two middle grades oh I've got a big pile and I'm going to be I'm going to be discerning. It's I'm literally choosing now because I've got I've got five out that I wanted to share, <laughs> but I'm going to go for I am going to share the Jess Butterworth one. Uh, I love Jess's writing. This one is When the Mountains Roared. Um so uh Ruby's dad takes her from Australia um and they go and live in India in the mountains. Um, and she manages to to stop some. What's the word that I'm looking for? Poachers. Poachers. That's the word I was looking for. <laughs> so she manages to foil this 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 poaching scheme, um, and the, the the mountain leopards uh, there. So really glorious read. You are one of those ones where you just can't put it down and you just kind of need to keep reading. It's got a lovely pace about it. Yeah, and that's a great one to read out loud, Um,
0: I think, to your children because she just writes so well, Jess. It's a real pleasure to read her stuff.
1: Really, really is. Yeah, so there's a couple of others that, that she's written that I would definitely recommend as well. Oh, my goodness, this is too hard. What is just wonderful is we live in a golden age of children's literature. There is no way children... Can't find a book that they love now because there is a book, you know, for for, for every child. Um, I think th- yeah, it's just just lovely. They're like gold nuggets, so it's like a sweet shop. All the gorgeous colours on the shelf. I am going to plump for um, another uh, fantastic. Um, author Sophie Anderson Um, so you may be familiar with The House with Chicken Legs or The Girl Who Speaks Bear and this latest one The Castle of Tangled Magic beautiful wonderful read Um, so 13 year old girl steps into another world through um, a portal in her house, it's magical you You care about those characters. She has just a wonderful way of describing the worlds that they visit and the relationship between the characters. And you absolutely have to turn that page to know what's going to happen. So, yeah, Sophie Anderson's writing, absolutely glorious.
0: Well, do you know what you've done? You've whetted my appetite for going back into a bookshop. I cannot wait to do that and it's just so lovely to talk to someone who is so passionate and well read and informed and I think what you're doing is an amazing amazing job I want to be in St Ives in your bookshop right now getting you absolutely have to come and visit (laughs) Uh, thank you so much that is that is brilliant heather i've uh, i've so enjoyed recording with you now obviously what you do part of what you do is is just encouraging teachers to teach reading for pleasure tell me a little bit about reading rocks and and what you do
1: yeah so well- as you said at the beginning, Reading Rocks is kind of a, a social media platform that's kind of evolved into its own wonderful beast, really. So there are uh, uh, over 40,000 teachers that that follow on there, but, but it, it is a community. So people will shout out about a great book that they've used in their classroom, or people will ask uh, for suggestions. So that's... Um, what happens on social media Um, but I also do a subscription service for teachers so every other month send out some boxes with some latest uh, books to recommend that they can use in their classroom and (laughs) pre-covid ran um, events for teachers. Uh, Teachers give up their Saturday um, and they'll come to professional development events but actually that there's just a, a joy and a connection and a community at them and um, get a lineup of speakers so there'll be a balance of authors and illustrators who will share um, how they've created their books and teachers can kind of learn from the practice of, of crea- creation in the real world and bring some of that into their classroom uh, and then also um, all the professionals who will share some of their research or some of their insight into teaching of reading writing um developing reading for pleasure in the classroom so yes they normally happen um in the real world but um last last week or the week before we we had our first virtual um event uh, which was lovely um not quite the same um but really nice to hear from uh, lots of authors and illustrators uh telling us about their books and, and you know how to use those in the classroom
0: perfect well i think the best way to get in touch is, is just looking uh, just uh, searching reading rocks and they'll go onto your website and then see all the different platforms from there
1: yep or the shop is called stories by the sea in Saint yes. Ives. there's <laughs>
0: nothing better than a good local bookshop especially if it's by the sea
1: it is you can hear the seagulls and in two minutes you can walk to the beach with a good book <laughs> <laughs> absolutely it's what you need on the beach is you do it?
0: you do Heather it's been a real pleasure chatting to you thank you so much for sharing those books with us I now have all the stocking fillers sorted for Christmas so thank you very very much for that and fantastic <laughs> and thank you all for downloading this episode of The Parenthood you can subscribe rate and review us wherever you found this podcast you can also follow me on Instagram I'm at marina.fogle but in the meantime from Heather and me thanks for listening and goodbye goodbye